This is part four. Einstein, the I am, and the nature of reality. There's a famous statement made by Einstein that goes, God does not play dice. This comment refers to a long-standing argument in the world of science regarding whether it is chance that makes things happen or some kind of unknown causality. Einstein was correct. It's not chance that makes things happen. It's consciousness that is the not-so-hidden cause. But scientists cannot seem to get their mind around this, and they can't figure out where it fits. If they would make it primary, they would begin to figure it out. Why can't they get their mind around it? Because they're married to materialism. And they have a centuries-long fear of crossing the Vatican and its threat of persecution or even death if scientists tread on the ground of church teachings that are designed to control consciousness. So let's go beyond the stuck side of science and look at how things happen. How do we come to be? Let's start with what the churches have paradoxically tried to teach and yet to distract from, which is how do you get to a full understanding and relationship with God? And why do we want this? We want this because it enables us to enter the God state. So let's back up a little bit. In ancient days, there were various names for God. Um, among them were the Supreme Being, the Faceless One, All That Is, the Still Point, Brahma, the Void, and among the most mysterious, the I Am. Whether you talk about God, the I Am, or some other designation, the whole concept has been greatly distorted. So here's one example of this distortion. Listen to the difference. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not have strange gods before me. Versus, the I am is the Lord thy God within, and thou shalt not make anything or anyone more important. Right off the bat, we have this basic distortion of truth about God and the true nature of the self. One puts God outside the self, and the other puts God within the self. So the result for most people is the truth about ourselves and our connection to God is lost. The path back to the God state requires an expansion of consciousness to encompass everything. And the number and kinds of frequencies you can accommodate are critical. Achieving this connection has long been known as the awakening of Kundalini. When an individual experiences Kundalini, they enter the source, the I am, the void, the great silence, the Godhead, that which has no name, or whatever you want to call it, and experience the transcendent. This is an experience of the great love the all-knowing, the all-powerful oneness with God, also known as the I Am. This is the moment you know 
God. This is the moment you become one with God. This is the moment you understand where the statement, quote, God is the creator of everything, end quote, comes from. This is because this incredibly powerful state of being in which all you know is I am, in which you and the I am are one and the same, and in which you experience the immense love that is the nature of this state of being. When you are in the I am, there's total silence, complete stillness. And as you begin to come out of it, the first thing you experience is motion. And then in quick succession, you experience the assembly of your particles, and then you're back to being your entire individual self. What you bring back with you from that experience is a taste of that great love, that deep connection to the I am, and a whole new understanding of what religion was trying to say without saying. So let's create a whole new understanding of God and the nature of reality, as well as the forces that are common in our reality. Science has been trying to figure this out for such a long time. And since science is a collaborative endeavor that's continuously modified and enriched, perhaps we can get things going in the right direction. We aren't going to worry about math or formulas. We're just going to focus on concepts and how things work. So any scientist who happens to hear this might begin to understand and develop the engineering applications that would benefit the world. So to begin, you first need to drop all of your current understandings of science. Let it all go for just a moment. You will also need to drop all of your current religious ideas for the moment. And what you'll see as you grasp what is presented is that the science, the religion, all of it is much simpler than the gobbledygook that people keep sifting through looking for tidbits of understanding and direction. Also, the religious teachings will make much more sense. Our goal is to understand God and our connection to God. I'll keep in mind that I use the term God only because that's the term people in the Western civilization use. I could just as easily use the term source, Godhead, I am, or some other name. Regardless of the name you want to use, the big questions are, why do we have this concept of God in our lives? How are we connected to God? And how do we get from this thing called God to the stuff of physical matter? The short answer is, God is not something outside of us. We are made of God. And there are four stages of transition between the God state and the state of physical matter. So let's look at these. Let's say the first stage of existence is the God state, also known as the source or the I am. And this stage is the foundation of all that is, including you, me, and everything else that exists. 
This stage is characterized by a limitless space that is silent, unmoving, is completely empty and black, except for billions of tiny pinpoints of light, and that it has a single overpowering awareness that amounts to I am. So let's call this limitless space of awareness mind space. Where mind is the awareness property of space, and space is the location aspect of mind. So that's the first stage of beingness, mind space. The ability to be aware of existence. In the second stage of moving toward physical existence, of becoming. Let's say that within this silent, still mind space, there arises the phenomena of motion. What you now have is awareness in motion. What's actually moving is space itself. And this movement is in the form of frequencies. So to differentiate this new second stage of awareness in motion from its original condition, Let's call this new stage consciousness energy, where consciousness is the feeling aspect of energy, and energy is the motion of consciousness. To be more specific and to create a consistent language of understanding, let's say that mind is characterized by awareness and consciousness is characterized by feeling. In other words, the silent oneness of the I am has now broken up into an infinity of frequency waves. And each of those waves now carries the original awareness of existence inherited from the I am, as well as a new experience of feeling and motion, feeling like you're in motion. Another way of saying this is that mind has become consciousness. And in this new stage of being, consciousness knows itself as a wave of motion moving in a direction with some amount of speed and a degree of force. So in the second stage, we have the dual awareness of I am and I am in motion. In the third stage, what you observe is that the frequency waves begin to form particles of light. And those lights blink on and off. We don't really know why the frequencies do this, but it may be a capacity inherited from the I am and its billions of tiny, tiny pinpoints of light. These particles of light in this third stage now carry the original awareness of existence plus the consciousness of being in motion plus a capacity for communication and cooperation with other particles. Let's call this third stage intelligence particles, in which the particle is the communication aspect of intelligence, and intelligence communicates the information carried by the particle to other particles. That information is going to include things like direction, speed, force, spin, compatibility, etc., sometimes called angular motion. 
So summing up so far, we have three stages. Mind space becomes consciousness energy, becomes particle intelligence. Each one being an evolution of the previous stage. Next, we have the fourth stage in which the particles that are communicating with one another begin to form patterns. There appears to be a built-in tendency for all intelligent particles to build themselves into greater and more powerful forms that will not only stabilize and increase the uses of their capacities, but will develop eventually the capacity to reproduce. So let's call this fourth stage the stage of pattern intent, in which the intent is the maintenance capacity of a pattern, and the pattern demonstrates the form and function made possible by that intent. In other words, in this stage of existence, we have the beginnings of stable arrangements of frequencies and particles into the blueprint for form. The patterns made by frequencies and particles are called plasma. And it is this plasma that gives rise to physical matter. The intent embedded in each pattern will be the frequency signature of that pattern. And what is quite amazing is that each pattern will create millions of forms that are unique. This need for uniqueness shows up in uh, like thumbprints, the iris of the eye, your voice print. It's this uniqueness that allows us to become an individual, a little different from everyone else. Without this, we would all glom together and end up as one form. So this is how we get from God to frequency waves, to particles, to patterns of particles that build plants, animals, humans, planets, and everything in the entire universe. As already pointed out, God is within us. Of course, we are all taught that God created us. But if you take into account the above information, it becomes clear that we are not created by God, rather we are made of God. And this makes each of us a unique form of God material, an image of God, so to speak. In a way, God does create us, just not the way we were thinking it was done. God doesn't make you the way a potter shapes a clay pot. Instead, you're made out of God's stuff. So the next big question is then, do you want to develop your capacity to integrate that God self or not? Religions teach that God is outside the self and that you need a priest or a bishop or someone to reach him. They don't want you to know that you are a God in the making. However, to get help, information, or insight that will allow you to fully develop, you simply have to focus inside. Talk to yourself. Give yourself directions. Ask yourself questions. Then listen for that still small voice within. And act accordingly. 
And that is why the oldest commandment in the world is know thyself. Many of the arguments tossed about regarding who created us and whether or not we should create clones, allow abortions, fiddle with genetic modification, tinker with DNA via CRISPR technology, whatever. They're all based on the idea of maintaining power in the hands of the church. And of course, the church insists that only God has such rights. You know, this idea might not be all bad, given the fact that a lot of humans in power today abuse that power terribly. So maybe we need somebody saying that only God has the right to play with life. But we cannot grow up and mature spiritually if we do not begin to realize that we are the ones making the decisions and shaping our reality. We have to develop a deep and balanced appreciation for life in its infinite forms and take responsibility for how we use our power. As mentioned earlier, scientists have long feared challenging the control of the Vatican. And so they've entered into this kind of a tacit, unspoken agreement to only deal with physical matter and to leave the consciousness stuff alone because that is the purview of religions. The result is that we aren't progressing with our spiritual development. In fact, we're regressing to the point of stupidity. The risk is that we will collapse and die out as a race of beings. However, I think there are a few things we should know and talk about before we get to that point so that maybe we won't get to that point. The truth is that humanoid life across the cosmos is seeded by other humanoids who travel the stars looking for hospitable planets that could play host to some form of human. Those humans traveling the stars are highly developed beings who love life and are very wise. They are the ones who have taken on the responsibility for keeping the humanoid form of life going in its many configurations. The bottom line is that any pattern of life that comes together as plasma and then as matter is going to strive to reproduce itself. And reproduction is the first step toward becoming eternal. Some forms produce seeds. Some produce eggs, and some produce live replicas, such as the tiny puppy or the human infant. There have been tens of thousands of years that humans of various sizes, shapes, and intelligence have lived on planet Earth. And there have been many millions of years that humanoids have flourished as more evolved civilizations across the cosmos. Most people alive today are concerned mainly about life here and now. And so the further back in time we go, the more irrelevant those older civilizations can seem. However, you should at least be aware that we are not the most advanced people ever to live on planet Earth. 
nor are we the most likely to survive should our very fragile structures come under any more pressure than they are at the moment. Our lives are hanging by a few threads. We have some enormously important decisions to make if we want to survive and thrive. To make those decisions, we must look honestly at a number of things. Our real history, who we are, what are our built-in potentials, how do we want to live, who are the people trying to influence us. Looking honestly at these will not be enough, however. We will have to begin communicating honestly and taking action that moves us in the direction we want to go. Before we go much further, I will freely admit that I am definitely trying to influence people, their consciousness, and where they are going. I want to live among people who are healthy, creative, centered in themselves, and able to communicate wisely and well. I want to live in a world of peace, joy, beauty. I want to live in a world where I have access to the extraordinary technology that accompanies high-level spirituality. And since I love this world and the people in it, I don't really want to go anywhere else to get these things. I think it will be much more fun and interesting to develop the kind of world I want to be part of right here. I have long been open about the fact that I came here to teach about the mind and consciousness, but I have been somewhat reluctant to discuss how and why this came about, my connections to people from other places, and the massive plan that was put in motion to help the people of Earth get out of the bind they are in and get back in charge of their lives. The tide is now turning. And I think it's time for a little deeper thinking about who we are and where we're going. Thus, I'm very, very grateful that the truth about our real history of life on this planet has begun leaking out. As mentioned at the beginning of this series, some of it matches what I knew before I got here. And some of it is interesting information that I knew immediately after Kundalini. And some is history in the making that I have observed or learned along the way. I think it's important to see where we've been. And I'm sure you remember the saying by George Orwell, quote, he who controls the past controls the future. He who controls the present controls the past. I'm also very grateful that there is frequent debate around the question, are we alone or are we, or are UFOs and extraterrestrial life real? Are they present in our world? I have been dealing with people from other worlds for a long time, and this subject is very commonplace for me. But I know there are people who are quite frightened by the idea that ETs could show up. Their consciousness has been loaded by movies that are meant to instill fear and distrust. After having survived a full-blown kundalini awakening and what that does to the body-mind system, 
I can no longer stand to watch the unmitigated manipulation of humans by a group of charlatans who hold illusions of grandeur. I will try not to be too blunt with people, but it is time for this foolishness to stop. And I'm not talking about stopping the charlatans. As Forrest Gump might say, a charlatan is as a charlatan does. No, what I'm talking about is the process of waking up. Waking up to the facts. Waking up to the illusions, delusions, and fairy stories we hold. Seeing the bigger picture. Taking responsibility. Letting go of the old world if necessary. And building a new one. We have enormous potential built into us. And for the last two years, we have been pissing it away by fussing over something that didn't really even exist in the first place. A lot of people believed it was true. They drank the Kool-Aid. And now we have a mess to clean up at every level of life. This is not how the God within wants to live. We are designed to keep unfolding. So let's put our history into our back pocket and move on to the next part where we'll take a look at the people who have been or are still big influences in our life, how we see the world and where we are going. Let's go on to part five.